Good evening, everybody. This is Huge Pop Wrestling Podcast. I'm Scott, your host. Um, tonight, I have a guest on that is a president and promoter of the SIWC promotion. They call him Mr. St. Louis, and the uh, and he is the mayor of East Crondelet, the St. Clair County 911 director. In 2012, he was awarded the MWR Lifetime Achievement Award. Can we welcome to the show um, Mr. Herb Simmons? Welcome to the show, my my friend. How are you doing? Good. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate the invite, and uh, it's, it's always a pleasure to come on and uh, be able to tell stories with, as I said, um, uh, individuals who share the same passion that I do of uh, professional wrestling. And your uh, your podcast is a way to keep uh, the old school and old style of wrestling alive. I love that. Thank you so much. And um, I am, I'm a big indie guy, so I can't wait to hear about your stories and um i mean i just think the indies don't get enough credit um you know i got these mainstream wwe the aws but these the guys in the indies they they bust their tails day in and day out and it's just amazing the stuff that they go through so i'm excited to hear stuff about where you've been but i want to touch it first on the 2012 the mwr lifetime achievement award can you talk a little bit about that and how that has um helped you in your life and how where you how that makes you feel as a person it's got to be rewarding yeah, you know, the NWR, uh, Missouri Wrestling Revival, uh, the gentleman who ran that uh, uh, business, uh, Brian Kelly, uh, uh, you talk about somebody who busted their behinds and went out and and went show after show all over the Midwest, uh, uh, taking photographs and writing articles and producing a, a book each year of, of the uh, indie wrestlers out there. And, and you said it right, the people who are on the uh, independent uh, circuit, which, you know, I really don't like the word independent because I, I say they are all in, they are all professional wrestlers. Uh, when they get their license in the States that require them, it says professional wrestler. So, but the word indie has been around for many, many years and it will be along uh, around for a lot longer, but they do, they don't get enough credit. They go out there and uh, make a little bit of money, but they're chasing their dreams and, you know, a small percentage of them will ever reach the big stage. But the, the, the award I got that year, it meant a lot coming from Brian. And uh, because, like I said, he just didn't hand them out to anybody. Uh, uh, he recognized the work that uh, had been done through SICW, which is Southern Illinois Championship Wrestling. And um, I, I still stay in contact with uh, Brian. He, he's not as active uh, as uh, he used to be because in life uh, things uh, come up and Sometimes we get focused uh, away, but he's still a, a great wrestling fan and he still loves professional wrestling. And uh, I, I appreciated the award that he gave me that year. And it, uh, it definitely, uh, it means a lot to me. That's awesome. Um, we have a friend over here, Jim, the big Texan Hoffroth said, hello, everyone. Um, so hello. For, thank you for joining the chat. That, that's, oh. uh, that's actually uh, Jim, uh, uh, big Texan is actually the SICW current uh, uh, classic champion right now. Well, welcome to the show, champ. In the beginning, when did you start loving wrestling? I mean, because you've been in the business for over 50 years, I think. And um, so what? when did you start loving wrestling as a child? Well, when I was a little uh, youngster, uh, back in the day, uh, I grew up in the housing projects in East St. Louis, Illinois. And uh, I've been asked that question uh, many times over the years. But, you know, uh, living in the housing projects back in the day uh, when 
things were a lot different than they are now. Uh, we didn't have any air conditioning. I uh, had a little uh, oscillating fan that we put in the window to try to oh, circulate no. the air. But it would be uh, so hot. And uh, back where I live, grew up in East St. Louis, uh, you know, we got wrestling at the Chase, which was out of St. Louis. And it actually started on television in uh, 1959. But, uh, you know, we used to get to the wrestling out of Chicago, Bob Luce uh, show up there, uh, which, you know, had the Bobo Brazils and mm. uh, Crusher and Dick the Bruiser and Moose Showlock. Uh, but I remember as a youngster, my mom was a big wrestling fan and um, her and I was kind of that was what bonded us together. And. Of course, when wrestling used to come on, uh, it was on Wednesday nights uh, before it moved to uh, Saturday, and then they rebroadcast it on Sunday. But it was at a real young age, and I remember the guys like Farmer Marlin, uh, people like that, um, that uh, Ronnie Etchison, Wilbur Schneider, uh, Baron Von Roschke, um, you know, just uh, what I, what I tell everybody these days is uh, all the boys are out there and girls that are out there working out. They're actually just, they continue to build on the foundation at the light, like the names those guys I mentioned built. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for those type of individuals back then, uh, there would be no wrestling. And uh, so, yeah, it was a real early age. And I just, uh, I, I got, I got, atta- I got attached to it. And, I, and to this day, I'm, I'm still a fan of, not so much the new stuff, but the old stuff. And I got to say, you're correct. You know, um, we have no clue being myself. I mean, I'm 50 some years old and I, I don't know what, you know, as far as the, what the talent was. And I agree, man, they, they must've, they laid the foundation for what we have now. And I, I got to say thank you to those guys back, what they did back then, what you did back with them promoting and stuff like that. So, because we really, I don't think we'd have wrestling unless it was for you guys from back in the day. So I appreciate everything you guys are doing. So growing up, who was your favorite wrestler growing up? Man, oh man, that's another question I get asked all the time. And I have to have the same answer. I mean, I have had the uh, the honor of knowing so many of the greats. Um, but, you know, in St. Louis, uh, early, early on, um I always enjoyed the the likes of the Johnny Valentines uh, or the Cowboy Bob Ellis, um, people like that. I mean, I can still remember some of the angles and feuds that used to go on back in the day. Uh, A big one was between Cowboy Bob Ellis and Nature Boy Buddy Rogers that uh, just really to this day, I can can almost uh, call the, the match blow by blow on how it went down as they was building up to the big main event at Keel Auditorium and in St. Louis. And, uh, but they, they told that storyline on television for about uh, almost eight to 12 weeks. And, uh, um, so, I mean, yeah, you know, just the, the guys back there, I used to like the farmer Marlins with his mule kick that he would use to finish, uh, his opponent off. But, you know, there's no way I could just name one because, uh, that's how, uh, how much I enjoyed the, the, the business. And, uh, you know, it's like today somebody says, well, you know, uh, Hulk Hogan uh, was the uh, the number one guy who made wrestling. And well, and that's everybody. We all have opinions. Uh, everybody has their favorite. Uh, I've got a lot of favorites. <laughs> Believe me, Bruiser Brody, uh, one of my all time greats, you know, uh, not only was a good uh, wrestler, but he was a dear personal friend of mine. And uh, he's always uh, when you got into the uh, later years. 
uh, he was uh, by far uh, the guy that I dealt with uh, on a regular basis. Right, right. That's awesome, man, because you're right. I'm, I'm, I am a Hulk Hogan guy. I remember the day he walked down the aisle at Daytona Beach and turned on Macho Man and joined the NWO. But what you said is right, exactly right. The guys before him is what paved their way for Hulk Hogan's and Macho Man's and, you know, uh, Ric Flair's and stuff like that. And storylines back then, I so I wasn't going to save this for last, but um, storylines back then compared to storylines now. I mean, I only I watch wrestling a lot, and I can think of maybe one storyline that stands out, and that's the Bloodline storyline. There's not very many, and so back then, was it different? Yeah, it was definitely different. And like I said, I see you've got what what you got playing there in the background, and uh, our uh, promotion uh, SICW is is based on old school, old style wrestling storylines, and. Uh, what we would like to do is tell the story and then have the uh, the final uh, match or the climax, whatever you want to call it, uh, several weeks down the road. I mean, we've actually done um, uh, storylines and feuds that's lasted uh, up to a year. Okay. And and the fans uh, continue to follow it. And, and, and that's what it's about. What the men and women do when they step into that SICW uh circle squared circle is to give the fans their money's worth because without the fans uh and uh, the wrestlers there is no promotion and uh you know uh, i get credit all the time from people saying oh you did this you did that. well I, you know I'm, I'm just a small part of that 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 you know i'm not the ones out there taking the bumps and i'm not the ones that's out there trying to make the fans happy sure i can help put the cards together and and uh but, but the guys that are out there really busting their butt are the ones that deserve all the credit. But, uh, yeah, um, I don't know, you know, it's everybody in their own, like you said, nowadays you can remember one storyline. Uh, if you turn on any other night of the week, it seems like it's, it's a, okay. It's a wrestling match. So what, but you know, uh, back in the day, you thrive to watch the next week's episode because you wanted to see, how that story was, you know, coming out. It's just like watching a TV program nowadays. You want to see the final episode. And, um, and it, it just kept you on your edge of your seat and wanting more of it. And I think that's what happened. And that's what I think the business is lacking uh, nowadays. Oh, you're right. Cause um, when I watched Saturday night live, Saturday night main event, I would see like the um, Roddy Piper Piper's pit where Hogan gets his necklace ripped off. And then, we didn't have TV yet until maybe two weeks later where we seen the next one and that got you hyped up. So, but now this our we're so flooded with product that it's just, it's just watching wrestling, I guess is what you said it perfectly. It's just watching wrestling. Um, so when you got into the business, um, why did you choose to be a promoter? Well, I, you know, the, the, the story of that is, is I was a young man, uh, at the right place at the right time. Um, uh, the uh, president of the National Wrestling Alliance, uh, Sam Muchnick, who was from St. Louis. Uh, the office of the National Wrestling Alliance was uh, based in St. Louis. Uh, a young gentleman uh, at that time, he was about 16, was 16 years old, didn't even have a driver's license. Name was Larry Matasek, who was a dear friend of mine. Um, um, he, he actually uh, went to work for Sam when he was 16 years old. 
did everything from sweeping the floors to uh, calling in the results to the local radio station because uh, back in the day, you know, everybody, they were interested on who won, you know, did uh, big thunder Gene Kaniski beat Fritz von Erich on that Friday night. And so, you know, they would call in those late results and Larry did that. And he worked his way up in the, in the office. Uh, like I said, he did everything from emptying the trash to going to the mailbox and uh, post office box and getting the mail and, uh, he never really had another job uh, all his life, uh, but wrestling. And he was kind of the protege of Sam Muchnick. And Sam was the uh, president of the National Wrestling Alliance off and on for over 41 years. And uh, like I said, being a fan, knowing Larry, knowing what he got to do, uh, his dad would drive us to the uh, office when Larry was supposed to go over and clean up or do whatever. And I had to honor and pleasure of, uh, going with him. And Sam always told us, you know, what you hear in his office stays in his office. What you see stays there. You don't take anything out of here. You can open up and go through all the files you want. Um, and it's kind of ironic to this day. I have all those files that was left mm. over all the results from the cards that took place in St. Louis, whether they be on the TV uh, matches or on the house shows at the auditorium, I can tell you how many matches, uh, Dick to Bruiser had or whoever, whoever was in St. Louis and wrestled. I have all the results from that. Uh, I have a copy of all the uh, programs that they used to send out to their uh, um, uh, uh, fans. They, they had a mailing list and uh, but all the programs with this, the, you know, the matches that was going to be coming up and the storyline on them. Uh, so I got copies of all of that. And, uh, but uh, yeah, early young age, and uh, it just blossomed from there. Uh, the day that uh, I really got to meet uh, uh, Sam, where I really got to sit and talk with him, was while we were having dinner one night. <clears throat> and he told me, he said, "You know, if you keep your ears shut and uh, your mouth uh, your mouth closed and your ears open, you'll go a long way in this business." And uh, and it was 50 years this February uh, that I uh, that I've been doing that, uh, and. Uh, like I said, got to meet all of them, got to work with many, many guys at Sam, um, Larry, uh, people like Bruiser Brody introduced me to. So uh, it's a good lesson that some of the guys uh, should take, you know, uh, come in, do your job and uh, keep your ears open, your mouth shut. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes you think, yeah, I think that's good for everybody to pay attention to that statement sometimes. So, um, man, I got to say, how often do you open those vaults to watch that old stuff? Every chance I get it's, uh, you know, uh, I, I stay pretty busy, uh, pretty active uh, okay. with my day job. But, uh, you know, when I get in those, um, you know, right now we stay pretty busy with shows. We do a lot of work with nonprofit organizations, whether it be uh, fire departments, uh, Legion halls, KC halls, whatever it may be. Um, that's what we've done for many, many years, help them raise funds. So what we try to do is uh, help as many of them out. And, you know, year after year, we go back and help them. But, you know, on a weekend, if I'm sitting around, I'll, I'll pull out a tape and throw one in. Uh, or I've, I've had a lot of them uh, uh, transformed over into DVDs um, to try to preserve them. Um, I have all the, uh, I won't say all, I'll say 90% uh, of the footage from the St. Louis wrestling, uh, uh, wrestling at the chase. Uh, and then recently I just acquired the library of Dick the Bruiser uh, TV. Those are still on 
the TV reels, and uh, so I'm in the process of slowly getting them uh, uh, downloaded and have got a couple of them done and using some of that footage on our TV show that we do every uh, Sunday night. We add in an old classic from St. Louis along with the new stuff, and uh, if you watch more of our Sunday night show, you'll see how we put that in there and kind of mixes the old with the new. Right, and I love how the, the ring announcer and the um, wrestler come at the front of their um, ring like they do after matches. Kind of like the old vibe when Vince McMahon had, or uh, can't remember, his, I can't think of his name, but they came out to the front of the ring and they talked to the wrestler. That that's such a that's one thing I noticed when I was watching this today. It's pretty cool. So um, I'm gonna get some people here. They want to say hi to you, uh, Austin Michael Baldridge, AMB. Glad to see you, such a legend like Herb um, Simmons on the podcast. This is awesome. Hi, Herb. Hope you're doing well. Hello, Austin. I appreciate the kind words. SICW is the place to be. Tyler, Tyler Cooley, he's a cool one. Uh, yeah. Tyler is a good SICW fan, and uh, we appreciate everything Tyler does for us. Absolutely. Thank you guys for coming in the chat. Um, sit back for a good hour of um, talk wrestling. So November 2021, you received the Bruiser Brody Achievement Award as well. What can you tell us about that award? Well, as I said, Bruiser Brody was a, uh, a dear friend. Um, in fact, back in 1988, the weekend before he got murdered in uh, Puerto Rico, he was with us uh, in uh, Cahokia, Illinois. Um, we had done a lot of work together over the years. Uh, through, uh, through Larry and Sam, they'd introduced me to uh, uh, Bruiser Brody. Frank Goodish uh, was his real name. Um, he taught me a lot about the business. He taught me a lot about the uh, how to negotiate with the wrestlers because he was known to be a, um, uh, a tough negotiator. And uh, he uh, basically told me that, uh, you know, you, you got to stand your ground, plant your feet in the concrete. And, you know, they may turn you down the first time, but the more shows you produce, the more uh, talent you bring in, the more these guys will sit back and say, whoa, man, you know, Herb Simmons and SICW has this going on. And um, and I, I got to say, I didn't have a lot of guys when I called them didn't turn me down because of when I mentioned uh, Bruiser Brody's name and Larry Matasek and Sam Muchnick, my, you know, uh, not just one foot got in the door, both of them got in the door. Mm. And uh, I built the reputation and I'm not bragging or anything, but I, I, I'm told all the time that I've, I've got a good reputation in the business because, uh, like uh, Sam Muchnick, um, I try to be honest with everybody. Um, I, I, I tell people uh, what I'm going to do, and it's it's done. And uh, and that's what Sam was known for being a, being an honest man, being a tough man. And I can be tough when I have to, as far as negotiating. I'm not going out there and taking on uh, the likes of some of these guys like a telecom and. Uh, but, but again, if we want to sit down and talk business and talk about uh, promotions and talk about storylines and how many shows I can give you uh, and what you want to do that, then I can negotiate that real well. And uh, but uh, that that award, uh, uh, you know, and it, it, right there behind me, I don't know if you can see there's a big uh, picture of Bruiser Brody. Yeah. Uh, and then the gentleman in the middle is Larry Matasek and then the gentleman huh? on him is Sam Muchnick. And uh, they are they are the three um, individuals that I give credit to for my success in the business. Uh, it's been a lot of headaches. It's been a lot of stress at times, but I wouldn't change it for anything because I've enjoyed it. Um, 
everybody keeps asking me how long I'm going to keep going. I say, well, you know, the tank and the gas is getting low. Uh, after all these years, I've done just about everything. I've promoted shows at places that nobody else has or ever could. And um, but uh, we'll see what happens with the future holds here. Yeah, I was going to ask you that question. How long you how long do you think you're going to go? So now I got I won't ask that. But um, would you? Would you say that your promotion, you're the longest running promoter around the business? I mean, could you could you claim that as a, I mean, you've been doing it for 50 plus years, right? I don't claim it, but I have people that's told me that, that I'm the longest running promoter in the business. And uh, um, like I said, I, uh, I I don't know if that's a fact, but uh, I, I've had people tell me that. <laughs> uh, if somebody else has been doing it longer, I, I don't know who that would be. Um right. So, I mean, I guess Vince, uh, uh, of course, they said he retired, but we know he didn't. <laughs> you know, he still right. got his hands involved in it. So he's been doing it a long time. But I don't, I don't compare myself to the Vince's of the world or anybody like that. I never have. I, I don't compare our product to him because I think if I did, that would be a detriment to our product. Uh, because <laughs> because no, sure. they're, they're, I mean, we have good die hard fans that still love the old school old style wrestling right, and i and again uh, i mean everybody who watches the new stuff out there today or it's not so new now it's been out there for a long time but you know i i, I think that if if i was vince and i had the libraries that he had he ought to be doing what sicw is doing is every week you have a captive audience you mixed a little of that flavor in there with some of the old, the Jimmy Snookas of the world, uh, people like that, and mix them in with your new stuff. We call ours the promoter's corner, uh, and we take them back in time, into the time machine. And uh, like I said, you may see two of our uh, local guys who are, are making a name for themselves, and then the next match you see uh, Dick DeBruiser against Ric Flair. Uh, so it's a, it's a, uh, it's a little trip back in time that that works because the fans really like it your champion says 50 more years <laughs> yeah 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 he uh i don't have that i can tell you but uh, you know it, it's it's a it's 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 fun you know when you're doing the tv the way we do it it's a different animal it's with wrestling uh it's a whole another concept of it and uh you know things have to be timed out and uh for your time slot but it's 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 fun doing that i enjoy doing that larry matasek uh, that was the part that he loved about it and he taught me that i used to sit in the control room with him at kplr tv channel 11 and watch him call the the different angles that he wanted the shots and so now when i get to sit there and do that i i reminisce back to larry say oh look at that that's money that's money right there you know that shot right there that's a good close-up and uh so that that's a that's a fun part of doing it there, but I, I still say that without the guys like the Big Texan and uh, Night Train Gary Jackson and Attila Khan and Bobby D and the Sean Vincents of the world, uh, the guys like that and the newcomers that are coming up, we have a training academy that Cowboy Bob Orton Jr. runs for us. Um, you know, he's got a team out there called the Top Guns that are making a name for themselves. If it wasn't for guys like that, there is no Herb Simmons. There is no SICW. Uh, and then all the great SICW fans uh, that come to the shows and, uh, you know, support us and share our stuff that we put out there on social media. That's what helps us uh, keep going. 
So would you say the love of the of the business is what drives you to keep on doing this? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I've always said that the, the fans will tell me when they've had enough of SICW. When they quit coming, then we really know that it's time. And, um, and so far, I mean, they continue to come. I've got fans that's followed me for 40 plus years. Uh, the Bullion family, uh, you know, uh, people like that, uh, uh, Sally and Ken and uh, Dolores and uh, Rob and Karen and people like that, that uh, they come each and every show that we have, not just once a month, but when we're running multiple shows, they show up at different places. And uh, those are diehard wrestling fans, uh, but I think they're more diehard SICW fans than anything else. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. So if you had to pick one huge pop moment of over your 50 years, and I know that's not a fair question, what moment would you say that would be, the biggest moment? Uh, the biggest moment that's without the moment of, of having that first meeting with Sam Muchnick. Um, I mean, gosh, he was a god back then. Uh, he was he was the peacekeeper. He was a gentleman who uh, uh, the mediator that was able to sit down. And uh, and when you had territories running back then and when there was disputes going on, he was the one who got woke up in the middle of the night and uh the two promoters were arguing over the champion and who was going to do what and sam had to explain it and uh, there was hard decisions that he had to make at times but uh but you know had i not had that opportunity uh through the likes of larry matasek introducing to me i i mean i wouldn't be sitting here talking to you tonight uh that's just a fact uh because i don't know of anybody else that would have gave me that opportunity that was shared the business with me like him and Larry did and told me how to make the connections. And, um, in this business, if you get labeled as a, uh, um, being dishonest or being a promoter that nobody wants to deal with, you might as well throw the towel in, uh, because, uh, it's a, it's a close knit business. Uh, and, and not so much today, but back in the day, um, but I, I, I try to keep the business the way it was, the way I grew up around it. Uh, and um, it, it's so oversaturated, you know, uh, in our area in the Midwest. There are so many promotions running. Um, and um, I wish them all the luck in the, the world. But, you know, when you look at the product, I think it is the proofs and the pudding of what you do. And when you have success of, fans continuing to come that tells me you're doing something right and uh, and um, but I would I would say that yeah that first meeting with Sam was uh, what got got me uh, where I'm at today your champion says wrestling at the Mac we will also be going back to the ballroom where the wrestling at the chase was held can't wait to hear yeah. stories about the chase yeah we do uh, you know we we also uh, do private shows um, we did one just last week uh, at a uh, an apartment complex in downtown St. Louis, Missouri. A real nice, classy place. They did it for the residents. Uh, it was right at poolside outside. You know, uh, it was it was great. We'll have some uh, pictures of that coming up on the show this Sunday night. But the MAC that he's talking about is the Missouri Athletic Club. We've been there uh, three years in a row now, I think. And this year we're taking Jake the Snake Robertson with us. Uh, 
uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan and uh, the mouth of the South Jimmy Hart's coming back with us. And then in October, we'll be going back to the uh, Chase Park Plaza Hotel where wrestling at the Chase first started in 1959. We've got a private show there and uh, already we got uh, Brett the Hitman Hart will be with us and Jimmy Hart will be on that card. Nice, nice. And those are private shows, unfortunately. Uh, uh, they're organizations that uh, raise money for good charity causes. And uh, um, so they've asked us, which I feel it's an honor for them to ask SICW to be the ones that are uh, that's going to host it. 100%. That has to be an honor because, I mean, you're in the St. Louis area. You got They could have very well went somewhere else, but they chose you. So that must tell you and your roster and your team that helps do all this must tell you that you guys are doing something amazing. So, yeah. And like I said, we've done uh, shows at the minor league Grizzlies ballpark in uh, Sojay, Illinois. We've been there a couple years in a row. Uh, we produced the only show at the fabulous Fox theater in St. Louis, Missouri, back in okay. the eighties uh, with an all-star card, Bruiser Brody, Jerry Blackwell, Kamala, the Ugandan giant. Uh, we had uh, the, the, midgets on that card we had the ladies uh so when we come in we come in with the with the best of the best to do a show so does siwc work with other promotions around the area yeah sicw you know uh, this little history there uh i get accused of not wanting to work with anybody and that's the farthest thing from the truth uh that's a uh, a falsehood that is told by other promotions that uh, for whatever reason don't appreciate what we do. Uh, several years ago, my locker room came up with a recommendation that you couldn't work for us and work for another promotion uh, uh, within 25 miles of the county limits uh, signs. Um, some of them wanted it to be 50 miles. Well, back in the day, it was a couple of hundred miles. You couldn't work for another promotion. But I said, no, I said, okay, uh, if that's what you guys are wanting, we'll do 25 miles. Well, these other promotions uh, thought that I was trying to restrict people from working, but they don't understand the concept of road trips. They don't understand the concept of, they'll try telling me, well, we want our guys to get exposure. Well, getting exposure doesn't mean you work for me tonight and then next weekend you work five miles down the road for the next promotion because 99 and nine-tenths of the time you're working in front of the same crowd. So that's not getting you exposure. A road trip means you get in a car in St. Louis and you drive to Chicago or you drive to Iowa or you drive to Tennessee. And uh, that's what a road trip is. you got a new, you got a different audience, different uh, talent in the locker room with you. And I think uh, that's what causes some guys to get complacent uh, because they don't want to go out and uh, work with other guys. And, um, so, but I do work. I, I work with uh, a couple of companies in uh, St. Louis, New Breed Wrestling down in Southern Missouri. I work with ACW, uh, American Championship Wrestling. I work with Impact uh, Pro Wrestling up in uh, uh, the Iowa area, Minnesota. In fact, I was just up there at the... Uh, the uh, Tragus does uh, a museum hall of fame two weeks ago. Uh, and, uh, my friend Troy Peterson that runs impact pro wrestling puts the wrestling show on there. And a couple of our guys were up there, Gary Jackson, a telecon. Uh, I've worked, uh, with the gentleman who's not with us any longer. Burt Prentice was with, uh, he owned a championship wrestling in Tennessee, did a lot of work with him over 50 years. 
and uh, and then uh, the Space Cowboy Jason Jones, a Mid-State Championship Wrestling uh, in Arkansas and down in Springfield, Missouri. So I work with the, uh, the promotions that want to work with us. We share talent back and forth. Uh, that's territorial wrestling. And uh, some of these other promotions could take a lesson from that. And, and you know, I, I try to explain that to them, but if they don't want to, uh, you know, you can lead the horse to the water, but you can't make them drink it. There you go. You can. So what's the main focus and purpose of SICW? What's the mission of SICW? Uh, the mission is simple, is to give uh, the fans the best old school wrestling that their parents and grandparents grew up on uh, because, you know, uh, history is what makes us look into the future. We have to know where we all come from to know what's going to happen. And, uh, and when you sit around and, you know, we had the discussion earlier today about the wrestling at the chase book. I had the honor of helping Larry Matasek uh, write that first wrestling at the chase book. I think it's been 17, 18 years ago. I'm old and I, I lose track of time, but that told the story of wrestling at the chase in St. Louis about Sam much, Nick, uh, about everything that got started in wrestling in St. Louis. And then here a year or two ago, I was asked to participate in the second wrestling at the chase book uh, uh, that was authored by uh, Mr. Ed Wheatley. Uh, a coffee table book that's loaded full of a bunch of pictures and um, stories. Um, so, again, that's that's the history that's being preserved. And then we were, uh, I was part of a documentary of uh, wrestling at the Chase called Head Over Heels that Ed Wheatley produced uh, through PBS Channel 9 out of St. Louis, Missouri. And I highly recommend it. Anybody who's listening, that if you haven't watched that, just uh, go to the PBS channel and uh, you should be able to find it there. Or uh, pick you up a copy of uh, the Wrestling at the Chase book, both of them. Larry's book was more of the story of St. Louis uh, and Sam Muchnick. He wrote several books. He wrote the book on uh, the life of Bruiser Brody with the Barbara Goodish, uh, Bruiser Brody's wife, who's a dear friend of mine. And, uh, every year we do the Bruiser Brody Memorial in May. She comes in for that. And um, but um, so the mission, I think, is simple. We're, we're, we're trying to give the fans uh, what their parents and grandparents enjoyed. That is still a household name today. I mean, you talk to Oh, yeah. Wrestling in St. Louis. Oh, yeah. Dick the Bruiser, Johnny Valentine, you know, uh, the Funks, the Briscoes, uh, Gene Kaniski, Whipper Billy Watson. And the list goes on and on. So that that's kind of the mission. Uh, okay. there's, uh, no fame and fortune. It's just that, you know, we're fans and, uh, just like you, you're doing your show because you're a fan. I can, you're absolutely correct, man. I do this on like seven, six days a week. And it's because I'm a fan. And I tell you what, I've told you on like in text messages, my wife and I work for foster kids. We have eight kids in an emergency shelter. So if I can take this one hour and a half with a wrestling fan, promoter, wrestler, it's almost like my self-care. I get, I can unwind and just talk and just forget about what's going on in the real world. So I, and again, I say, I thank you for you guys for, for producing all this stuff. So us guys like me can have this hour and a half to, <laughs> to relax. And well, and, just, and I, I applaud you and your wife for what you do uh, for the foster children. I mean, that, that, that's just, that's awesome. I think that uh, there definitely uh, is a need for that. And for, 
for you and your wife to do that. I, I, I take my hat off to you. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Um, so you mentioned a bunch of uh, big names that you came through the SIDCW um, in the past. Can you, other than your um, champ that's sitting in the chat room, what big uh, talent name talent do you have in a SICW? Uh, you know, uh, like I said, it's a champion, uh, uh, big Texan uh, is the champion now. He's the one that's got the bullseye on him, of course, because he's got the gold. But, you know, I've got uh, guys like uh, the Night Train, uh, Gary Jackson, who got the name Night Train from uh, the late Bruiser Brody. Uh, Gary uh, Jackson has uh, been with me a, a long, long time. He's a retired military uh, uh, person, but he hasn't aged a bit. He can still go out there and uh, tumble with the, the best of them, the young guys and the old guys. Um, but, you know, I got a guy, I got guys who were trained by uh, Harley Race, uh, Attila Khan, uh, superstar Steve Fender. Uh, of course, you know, everybody knows the name Harley Race and uh, one of the toughest in the business trained these guys. Uh, you know, uh, Sean Vinson, Jason Breed uh, is in the locker room. Um, you know, I've got uh, some guys from the other organizations that come up uh, with us uh, that, uh, that, that come and help do our TV. Uh, we got a, a group that's uh, called Devastation Incorporated that's led by uh, Stephen E., who is uh, from the Mideast, and he's here to uh, purchase SICW come hooker crook. And uh, so that's kind of what he's here for. And he's got the Telecon and people like uh, Sheik Jake Prater and uh, them in his arsenal. And then um, uh, Peyton Ayers is in his arsenal and uh, his army. And uh, they're running rampant all over SICW right now, but guys like the big Texan and Gary Jackson and Bobby D and uh, Bobby D is uh, he two years in a row. He won the Bruiser Brody battle Royal. We do that every May. Uh, this last May, we had over 50 legends that came in for mm. the Bruiser Brody Memorial. And uh, you know, the big uh, $64,000 question, everybody, I get a call every day from somebody or a text message or an email wanting to know if we're going to have a SICW fan fest number two, because there'd never been one in St. Louis before. And we pulled it off this last May and everybody had a great time. And, uh, Bruiser Brody's wife came in again. We, we, you know, we had a Texas death match between a telecon and the big Texan. And that's where the big Texan won the title. Um, of course, the Texas death matches were big in St. Louis. They were big in Texas. Of course, uh, Dory Funk jr's father, uh, Dory Sr. is the one who invented the Texas death match. And so we were able to have Dory come on and do a, uh, uh, interview and talk about the rules of the Texas death match. So that kind of added some flavor to all of it. Cool. Tyler Cooley. Thank you for all the compliments and the conversation you are in the chat. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, the champ, thank you for your comments and I appreciate everybody chatting up the, um, chat board. So in 2006, uh, SICW was awarded the best independent promotion in the country. That had to make you make you feel good about what you were doing and and what you're still doing. Yeah, we actually, if uh, I think that was from the Heartbeat uh, Radio, um, yeah. and uh, we actually won that two years in a row. Um, the Heart Foundation. Everybody that's in the business knows the Heart Foundation uh, out of Canada. Uh, Bob Johnson. Uh, they did a uh, week. They did a weekly uh, podcast and. Uh, I was honored. Uh, I used to tune into them as much as I could. And uh, uh, I was as a guest on their show uh, several times uh, when they would have 
uh, different guests on like Abdullah the Butcher or uh, uh, Lou Thez's wife, Charlie Thez, people like that. Uh, and they'd always have me come on to talk about the St. Louis deal. And I'll never forget the night they called me and said, hey, you were voted the, the top promotion uh, that year uh, by the, the fans, which, yeah, it was, it was great. It was a great accolade. And, of course, I share that with all of our uh, locker room and our fans because, as I said early on on this program, I'm just a little spoke uh, in the wheel that uh, gets to say I'm the promoter. But uh, without the fans and the workers um, and then the groups out there like uh, the Heart to Beat Radio uh, program, um, you know, those things, uh, I'd, be, I'd be lying if I say it didn't mean anything because they do. They make you feel good. It makes you feel a little sense of accomplishment of all the years of what you did. Awesome. So that we can find you on Roku, obviously, back there um, on SICW Explosion. Is there any another um YouTube channel that you have besides SICW Explosion. Yeah, and you can search it in uh, under uh, SICW Championship Wrestling, uh, All Star okay. Championship Wrestling. It's on there too, and uh, our show is on every Sunday night uh, on uh, YouTube and on Facebook, and then we're on uh, the uh, Paranormal Intrigue Television in St. Louis, uh, and it's on uh, I think on Saturdays on that. But the best way is on YouTube, and uh, like I said, it's a uh, we're, we're having fun with it. Um, you know, what we do is we, we have a show like, uh, for instance, August 12th, we do our house show. And then the 13th, the guys uh, come back on that Sunday at uh, noon and we tape four hours of the next four weeks of shows that we show. And that way there, we build up our storylines. And then before you know it, we're back at the Bell Claire Fairgrounds at Belleville, Illinois for the next house show. And like on August the 12th, uh, we've got uh, WWE Hall of Famer Tito Santana will be joining us. Um, you know, we've we've had, uh, you know, uh, Tony Atlas, uh, Cowboy Bob Orton. Uh, they were my tag team champions for a few months. Uh, we did a show at the Shriners, uh, a fundraiser for them, which we'll be doing another one coming up in October this year. Uh, did one earlier this year for them, and they were so impressed with what we did. They asked us to come back again, so... Nice, uh, and, and that's what we, as I said, uh, the, you know, you're doing something right when you do repeat business and, uh, cause there's so much business out there, uh, promotions that, you know, these organizations can call people and, and I have them, I'll be honest, they, they call me and say, well, we talked to so-and-so and, uh, you know, we, we checked them out and then we checked you out and, and again, everybody does their own thing and everybody's doing the best they can do and what they can try to do. But um, I think professionally, we we, we do it the, the old school way. I, like I said, I watched that all the day and I, I loved it. So would you say that St. Louis is still the hub of pro wrestling today? Oh, it always will be. I, I say that uh, and I'll say that until, in fact, that will probably be uh, put inside of my uh, uh, coffin <laughs> because... Uh, uh, I believe that. I believe that Sam built that. I believe he left it in the hands of Sam of uh, Larry for a short time when he had his promotion. And even after that, with what we are continuing to do, um, I won the Red Bastine Award. I don't know what year it was at the Cauliflower Alley Club. Uh, and when I went out to accept that award, because I'm really a big, big supporter of the Cauliflower Alley. I'm their uh, uh, ambassador of the membership of that organization and it's an organization that uh, helps uh, workers if they fall on hard times 
And, and when I went to get that award, I was sitting there and I mean, there were people like Sergeant Slaughter and Kevin Sullivan and just a host of, of uh, legends that always attend that. B. Brian Blair is the CEO, president of that. And uh, I remember after my uh, acceptance uh, speech, he come up and kind of chewed me out and said, Herb, this was about your night. And here you're giving us all these accolades. And I said, well, that's because that's what Sam would want me to do. Because without you guys, there is no Herb Simmons. There is no SICW. So, um uh, there is no St. Louis wrestling. And I'll give you an example. When we had the fan fest in May, um, it started off. We were only going to have like half a dozen guys come in, you know, cause it'd never been done in St. Louis and it just snowballed. I mean, every day, every night I was getting a call from one of these legends saying, Hey, we see what you're advertising. Uh, and one of them was the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Mm. And he said, Herb, he said, you know, there is no Ted DiBiase if there are no million dollar man, if it wasn't for St. Louis. And I said, yeah, but I can't afford you on this one, Ted. And he said, oh man, come on, I'll help you. You know? So I had, I had talent calling me and asking me for it. And uh, so, and everybody you talk to will tell you St. Louis was always the hub of it because of Sam Muchnick and the way he ran, ran the NWA. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the Chase Memorial and, the chase, uh, the place called the chase. Can you tell me one of the big moments, the biggest moment at that you guys have done at the chase? Well, we haven't been ran at the chase. I said, we'll be back there. Uh, the, uh, in October, October 15th okay. will be my first show. Your my first, first show, show that I've been there myself. Now I've been there for other events, uh, uh, wrestling shows. Uh, but this will be the first time that, uh, SICW has went there. So, you know, that could be the full circle, as, as you say, and the business, yeah. uh, because I've, I've done them everywhere else. But to go back to where it all started with the NWA under Sam Muchnick in 1959, uh, May 23rd, I believe it was, uh, when they first started there, um, I think is a full circle. So I don't want to... I don't want to let any cats out of the bag, but that, that's, that could be a, that could be the climax that, that, that you talk about. Uh, gotcha. But the chase gotcha. was the place, the chase, uh, the, uh, the Coppler family owned uh, the television station that carried the wrestling at the chase. They owned the hotel there. And for years, the core sand room was the place where the wrestling took place. Elegant, uh, uh, tables with uh, the tablecloths, uh, women dressed up with their pearl necklaces on, guys smoking their stogies. Um, you know, it was it was actually a classy place. The uh, ring announcer wore a tuxedo. Um, just just the, the saying uh, the chase was the place was it. And uh, when wrestling was there, they all came out. And then you, when color TV started coming into play. The cameras cost so much money at that time and moving them back and forth, they were taking a chance of damaging them. So the, they had TV studio right behind the wall of the Coruscant room. So then they moved into the TV studio and that's where it became the studio audience, kind of similar to what we do on ours, uh, three side seating. We use two side, they had three sides. And, and we can put three sides, but right now we use two sides for a studio audience because you don't need that many folks for that 
but uh, and then that's where it came on uh, uh, and uh, ran until uh, Sam Muchnick retired in uh, January 1st of 1982 uh, with a big celebration named uh, with Sam Muchnick Day and gave him the key to the city and all the greats came back and visited him and uh, the mayor of the city and the congressmen and everybody because he was so well liked and known but but uh, so I'm looking forward to going back to the chase and uh, be, going there to, to promote the SICW show. That's awesome, man. So you were in, 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 you were inducted into the St. Louis Wrestling Hall of Fame. Is that correct? Yeah. Independent Wrestling Hall of Fame. And uh, another thing, uh, there's a couple of different Hall of Fames. Larry Matasek, myself and a couple other individuals uh, farm the St. Louis uh, 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 Wrestling Hall of Fame which consists of the people who were uh, involved with uh, the NWA, basically Sam Muchnick. Uh, so the likes of Sam Muchnick, Larry uh, O'Connor, Flair, the Von Erichs, uh, Whipper Billy Watson, Fritz Von Erich, Cowboy Bob Ellis. And I mean, there's like 44, 45 of those great individuals that have been inducted into the St. Louis Wrestling Hall of Fame and then there is the uh, uh, Independent Wrestling Hall of Fame that myself and a, my late great friend who we done shows all over from the South Broadway Athletic Club, uh, Tony Costa, uh, were inducted. Uh, they they kind of did a trickery on me. They asked me to come over and yeah, help induct him into it. And after we did that, they turned right around and uh, the same night and inducted him and I because him and I were uh, and partners basically. And we traveled all over the Midwest doing shows together. He was my junior heavyweight champion for a long time. And so, uh, they, they inducted both of us into that, uh, uh, St. Louis independent wrestling hall of fame. And then there's a, another one that, uh, uh, another independent hall of fame that, uh, the American championship wrestling, uh, guy, uh, the searcher, um, uh, basically is the head of, uh, they inducted us into that Hall of Fame also. Okay. I've had the pleasure in the last month or so to interview some guys from NWA. My recent one was Koa. He's an up-and-coming guy from in NWA. He told me a little bit about that. So I'm curious. I, I don't watch a lot of NWA. I probably should. Um, that's probably better stuff than WWE and AEW. So. Um, yeah, yeah, we... Uh... I, I don't watch it. I've, I've dealt with, you know, I, after Trevor Murdoch won the title, his first title defense was against uh, Telecon. Uh, I promoted Billy Corgan and I uh, came to an agreement on that. And so we had that match in St. Louis and did, uh, it was a great match. And awesome. then uh, Nick Aldis, uh, I had Nick against the Telecon in another show that they just tore the place down on. It was probably one of the top five matches that I enjoyed in my entire career. Awesome. Um, in today's wrestling, do you think there's too many gimmicks in the business today? Yeah, I think so. I think, the, and I see it more when nowadays these young guys come in and the first thing they want to start talking about is uh, what, here's my gimmick. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to, you know, um, and, and I think that, you know, you got to learn the basics first because I've seen guys come in with an idea that will change after they get in there. I've seen guys walk in and after the first couple of nights of training, they don't come back. <laughs> they decide it's not for them. And uh, as I said, Cowboy Bob Orton Jr. Uh, uh, is a good friend of mine, uh, runs our academy. I do a lot of work with him. Uh, and uh, he still goes out there and wrestles. And uh, like I said, him and 
Mr. USA, Tony Atlas, was my tag team champions here just up till a few months ago. And, um, but, you know, he's helping uh, train the next generation of young men and women. And uh, uh, so I, I think they need to leave their gimmicks outside the door and learn the basics. Uh, and then that will all come secondary um, because it's just, uh, you know, when a guy walks in and starts talking about, hey, what do I got to do to be a champion or what do I got to do to this? You know, that he's probably not going to last long because that you, that, that's, a, that's a red flag that he hasn't got his uh, mindset. He's got an ego problem. I, I tell him, people on other podcasts that I do, the, the, the worst enemy we got out there nowadays is a three-letter word called ego. Uh, and, you know, they watch this local stuff. I mean, the, the now stuff on the big stage and they, they want to go out there and flop around like a fish out of water. And it doesn't take that to get the crowd involved. It doesn't take that to get yourself over. Uh, first, just learn the basics, tell the story and, and you'll get over. So has, what has changed the most today in today's wrestling promotion compared to when you got back and got into business 50 years ago? Well, what's changed is oversaturation. I mean, it's just, you know, as I said earlier, we, man, we, we cringed, couldn't wait for the next week to see the next episode of what was going to happen. And now you, you don't have to, now you can turn on wrestling almost any night of the week and find it if you want to. And, and, and what are you finding? You're finding two guys going out there that doesn't tell no story. You know, you, I can't even, if somebody said, I'll give you a hundred dollars for every wrestler you can name on the WWE roster. Now I can probably make a hundred dollars because I helped give Randy Orton his first match at the South Broadway athletic club when he first started. Uh, and, and I dearly love Randy because of course his dad as our, our trainer. And, uh, but I don't know these other guys. Um, and I'm not saying anything against them. They're going out there working their tail off and they're entertaining. They're doing their thing. But um, I, I just think that it's oversaturated. Uh, you know, um, once the curtain got pulled back um, and the uh, genie came out of the bottle, um, you know, there are still people out there who want to be entertained. And we, we tell them all the time, for two, two and a half hours, I'm going to take you into a land of make-believe. Uh, I'm going to make you... Uh, not worry about the price of gasoline or the price of milk and eggs. Now, realistically, in reality, you got to come back to that thought. But for two, two and a half hours, we are going to make you have a good time. We're going to we're going to let you boo the bad guys and uh, cheer the good guys. And that's what wrestling was about. Evil, uh, and bad and good. And, and that's what we do at SICW. And when I stand at the door after a show and thank the fans for coming and they tell me, they say, man, Herb, just when we thought we had that match figured out, you pulled a rabbit out of the hat. <laughs> That's when fans are fans. They're not sitting there playing solitary on their phone. Uh, right. They're not. If they got their phones out, they're usually taking pictures. But, right. you know, when I see some of the other promotions, I see people sitting there like they're sleeping, you know, or, you know, they're texting on their phones. Our fans are they are invested. They are rooting and they are screaming from the, the moment that uh, national anthem stops playing the, the cheers are on for the rest of the night. And, th and that's when, you know, you got a successful evening. 
right? Your champ said um, that she said guaranteed money and contracts before everyone tried to be the best. Now they don't have to try. And I gotta agree. Um, so I don't. I want to ask this question. So do you think the Vince McMahon's of today, like in Tony Khan's, ruined wrestling compared to what you guys created back in the that back in the seventies? Well, you know, ruined is a as a harsh word. I I think that Vince uh, Vince did what he said he was going to do, uh, and I, I don't know if you'll remember, but back in the day when he took over, he said he would either uh, control everything in the business or he would turn it into a circus. And if you mm-hmm. stop and think, we had Doink the Clown, we had the Insane Posse. So he's done just about everything he said he was going to do. He had guys coming out dressed up like hot dogs and you yep. name it. Uh, yep. um, and every time I saw something like that, I thought, boy, oh, boy, Sam Muchnick and people like Paul Bosch, promoter from down in the uh, Texas area and all the other promoters who are out there are probably all turning over in their grave uh, because now you can't knock that because look at what it's made him. It's made him right. uh, one of the wealthiest people out there, the business, but you know, the difference between what was being done back then was wrestling. What they're doing now is they are marketing uh, toys and games and uh, everything like that. So um, they're not making the money in the wrestling. They're making the money on the marketing side of it. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, as fans, I can tell you the topic of conversation a lot of times is the internet and dirt sheets. Um, and I have to say that ruined wrestling for fans today because you got you go to bed today and your phone blows up all night long and you get notifications that this happened in the WWE, this happened over here, this happened over here. But when even as a kid in the 80s watching Saturday Night's main event, there wasn't dirt sheets. So we didn't know. Now we... Now I can tell you tomorrow what's going to happen at SummerSlam on Saturday. And it's like, so do you feel the same way? Do you think dirt sheets have ruined it for fans? Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of uh, on the fence on that. Uh, Dave Meltzer is a friend of mine. I, I met him through uh, San, uh, through uh, Larry Matasek. Um, and I think that back when it was, when Vince was trying to take over everything, you know, the people that were feeding all that information were people who were being uh, crapped on the most. And uh, so I think that back in the day, back in the day, it had its place. But now I think that I don't like the idea of, like you said, you can wake up tomorrow and know what's going to happen at SummerSlam. Uh, I think that takes the mystique out of it. Uh, and I mm-hmm. wish that would not happen. But, you know, Dave's been doing it a long, long time. He's made a living at doing it. Uh, and as long as people keep giving him the information and other dirt sheet uh, stuff like that, uh, they're going to continue to do it because it's it's the, it's the way of them making their living, you know. Right. Uh, uh, but people can control that; they can just not turn on and watch it, you know. Uh, yeah. Oh, you're no, you're right. I, I can't say you're wrong because I don't have to look at that notification because yeah. you know. But again, it's to. that it's that it's that intrigue. It's and again, that's what I don't like about it. I. I don't want to know. I, I mean, I, I just, uh, I, when I used to do the uh, television work over at South Broadway Athletic Club for my friend for his show he put on there every month, uh, he'd call me and say, start to tell me. I said, oh, I don't want to know because I'm sitting there doing the color, the play-by-play. I want to have that, I want to I experience that 
that uh, excitement also. And I think it comes across better as a commentator that, oh, my gosh, this just happened. You know, if you tell me ahead of time, then I'm kind of like, oh, OK, yeah, this is what's happening. Yeah. Oh, you're so, right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. What's your thoughts on Jim Cornette? Have you had any um, loving, inter- loving, 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 loving? Okay. Great guy. I talked to him quite a bit, and uh, he's got the only other set of the full uh, programs uh, that I've got. But uh, and I know he takes a lot of bashing, uh, but I'm going to tell you, he's a man of uh, of uh, many words, and uh, he uh, he. I mean, I've had him in, and uh, he's done shows for me. Uh, he doesn't do a lot of traveling anymore, but because uh, he don't like to fly, of course. But uh, I. I listen to his shows uh, whenever I get a chance and yeah, he gets a little tough on people, but you know, he's a guy that's been in the business that's been treated wrong uh, over the years. And uh, uh, there's a lot of the guys out there that have got an ax to grind with uh, promoters of the past and the present. Uh, and I can't fault them for that because uh, you know, back in the day, these guys, Back then, the guys didn't have jets flying around and, you know, they were road trips. They were going two, three hundred miles from one town to another. And and then you get there and, you know, the money's not right. And, oh, we'll catch you the next time down the road. And uh, so it left a bad taste in a lot of their mouths. And that's one of the lessons I learned. If I tell you I need you to come in and this is what I'm going to pay you, it's there when you get here. Yeah, I like I love I love Jim Cornette. So it's good. Um. Do you feel training schools have tra- have changed over the years? Have they become softer, or do you think they're um, not teaching the right things that they used to teach? Well, that's funny you bring it up because, you know, back in the day, there were no training schools. Uh, huh? You know, there were guys out there that um, got thrown in. Uh, you know, they'd show up at a place at a promotion and a guy throw them in there and, and back then they called them jobbers. And, you know, today we, we call them enhancement workers, but, uh, there wasn't a lot of training schools back there. You know, a guy like Dr. D David Schultz, uh, if you ever talk to him, he'll tell you, uh, his, uh, his training school basically was a guy that just beat the crap out of him for about seven days in a row, trying to break him not to come back. And uh, he came back every day, but he went home every night sore and hardly able to get out of the car, you know. Um, but the schools, since since training schools have become more prevalent, um, I think that they have lost the concept of the basics, you know, uh, the simple uh, takedowns, you know, uh, the arm drags. And again, it's uh, uh, what our people, our, our senior guys, uh, under Bob Orton, uh, they teach, you know, get your cardio, uh, try to work that the best because without the cardio, you're not going to go along. Uh, and, uh, and then if you, if you follow the regiment that they have, it all comes together at the end. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, we've turned out some guys that are they ever going to be on the big stage? Uh, again, we tell them from the first day, don't quit your day job. You know, uh, if you think you're going to come in here and be the next uh, Vince McMahon uh, a superstar, the odds of that is zero. Um, you know, uh, people like uh, and, and I've had guys like Gary Jackson. Gary Jackson has worked for the WWF. Uh, uh, Attila Khan's work farm. Uh, I had a guy who was my champion for many years. A great friend of mine, Ron Powers, worked for them in the WCW. 
so, I mean, guys that have been with SICW have went on uh, to be on the main stage, whether it be in dark matches or, or being the jobber. But, you know, I've always said, without good enhancement workers or jobbers, as they called them back then, there is no stars. You know, Hulk Hogan had to have somebody to beat up. Stone Cold had to have somebody to beat up to get him into those main events. So right. uh, back in the day, guys like uh, Mike George, guys like Roger Kirby, Bulldog Bob Brown, people like that, they all went out there and did their job, and they got paid to do it, and uh, and they made a living out of doing it. Can you explain to the fans and myself um, – what was your thought process of bringing old school feel to today's industry and today's um, SICW promotion? Well, as, as I've alluded to, I, I think that you have to know what wrestling, where wrestling came from and, and where we want it to be today and even moving forward. And, if we don't have that old school still being shown today or done today, then we lose all of that. And I think that, uh, yes, there's a percentage of the fans out there that turn on and watch Monday night raw and they watch Tuesday night, this and Wednesday night, that and Thursday night, this and Friday night, that, but what are they watching? They're watching everything that is, like I said, basically high spots you can't keep up with it half the time you don't know where they're going what the angles are they're shooting but i guarantee you if you look at an sicw show on a sunday night on youtube or on facebook uh, or on paranormal tv or on roku if you watch the first episode of it you're gonna say wait a minute let me watch the second episode here and the second episode will further tell the story. And then it's, it's like getting hooked. It's like, man, I got to, I got to watch the third episode. And because the storylines continue to unfold. Right. Uh, and I think that's what is definitely lacking now in our business. The, the big Texan, the gentleman who's been on there with us tonight will tell you his uh, storyline and his feud that went against the telecom went for several months before he finally got a title shot. Uh, just about the time he was reaching out for that carrot that was dangling, it got ripped away from him because of outside interference or something like that. And, but finally it come down to where it was a match that they were in and his side won, and he got to pick the stipulation of the match and he picked the Texas death match. So the fans were like, Whoa, wow, this is great. But that was over a several months period. It wasn't just like you tuned in tonight and then next month, oh, he's got a title shot. Well, you know, that that happens on TV uh, all the time. But the SICW fans gets the benefit of following that storyline all the way. The wrestlers get hurt more frequently doing those hot spots on, and flippy flop. Well, and that's, a question, and that's a question I get asked if go back and history will tell you. Injuries back in the day are were far less than what they are now, and people say, "Oh, well, yeah, but the, they 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 didn't wrestle uh, as much." What do you? I said, "What are you talking about? Those guys not only wrestled, they were wrestling seven nights a week a lot of times, right. traveling from town to town, uh, but they weren't getting in there. They 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 knew what they were doing, 
they weren't doing. If you if you look at some of the old tapes, you'll see the ropes how they were. They didn't use the ropes to do all the springboards and all this stuff because they wrestled. They knew how to mix it up if they had to. I guarantee you, we we had a little training thing and I had a little appreciation night for the guys here a couple of months ago, and it was one night at a training and had a little pot lunch. And they sat there and watched some matches that had. Uh, uh, Don Morocco in it, and uh, I think uh, Killer Kowalski. Uh, and you could count the times they hit the ropes. The rest of it was, yeah, it was tough. It was punches were good, but they weren't up jumping off and doing uh, hermocratas or whatever they called it and all that crap. It yeah. was uh, it was just good old school wrestling, and the crowd was into it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what people enjoy. Uh, and then they enjoy the uh, the uh, unknown. Uh, there for many years, you could tell who was going to win a match by who came out first, <laughs> you know. Uh, and I guarantee you, at SICW, we pull the rabbit out of the hat and we do some tricks, you know. Yeah. Um, Big Jim says, plus the old school wrestlers wrestled for an hour every night now. They call that an Iron Man match. You're exactly right, because the big match, some of the big stars, like, Rome, I mean, I love Roman Reigns, but he's comes out and he doesn't wrestle except for the pay-per-views. He gets in there, takes a couple bumps, and that's it. But um, I'll tell you what, last year we had a cage match, and the cage match was a telecon and Sheik Jake Prater of Devastation Incorporated. And guess who their opponents were? Hmm. Haku and the Barbarian. Okay. Yeah. In a cage match. In a cage match. And they, yeah. tore the place, and they tore the place down. I bet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, and Haku, uh, you know, I was just with him up in Waterloo, Iowa a couple of weeks ago. And uh, great guy, tough guy, one of the toughest, if not the toughest in the business. Uh, can still get out there and go and do it. Uh, but that's the kind of show you'll see at SICW. And it's not just the legends. Like I said, it's it's the guys like the big Texans and the superstars, defenders, and the guys like that that go out there and know how to work and know how to take care of their opponents and, uh, and still tell that storyline because – at the end of the night, we want the fans to be happy. We want them going home saying, hey, when's the next SICW show? I can tell you right now, an hour and ten minutes into this, I'm intrigued to see more SICW. So. Well, um, I appreciate that. <laughs> do you see any of your talent on, the, on your show that you think would have been would have made it in the territorial days? Oh, yes. Yes, with, without a doubt. In fact, uh, if you go back and read a couple of Larry Matasek's book, he even alluded to that. Guys like uh, the Big Texan, guys like Ron Powers, guys like the Giant Assassin back in the day. It was just an unfortunate time uh, that they were the time they were. Uh, because now, if the territories was as prominent as they were back then, I could pick up the telephone and you know you could call a Paul Bosch or you could call a, a Stu Hart up in Calgary and say, hey, I've got the big Texan here. I've had him here for six months, and he's did a lot of business, but now he's kind of burned out. Can we send him up there for three to six months? And the, the response would be, okay, send me some tapes. Let me see what you got. And boom, uh, I guarantee you, any of those guys I just named, they would say, yep, get him up here, you know. 
because that's how the territorial days worked back then. And then you may take him up there. Uh, he may have been my big baby here, but they get him up there. They may turn him into the biggest deal ever. Uh, but yeah, I, I, there, I've got guys in my locker room right now that if Jason Jones from mid States championship wrestling calls me or Troy Peterson would call me and say, Hey, I need the Texan or I need a tiller or Gary, uh, they know they're going to get their money's worth it with the guys. You know? Awesome. And I had to tell you, I, I put this down in my notes last, I love the question and I had to sit there and, um, between dealing with the kiddos and uh, things going on in, in our house today. The, the thing I was watching was where was Kevin Von Eric born? And I had to fast forward and I had to clip it out to find out that he was born in Belleville, Illinois, St. Elizabeth Hospital. So I had to, yep, I wanted to, that was pretty cool to hear that. Um, so Mr. Simmons, um, where can we get the book? Um, the two, one of the two books, where could I go find that book? Is it on Amazon? Could I go? Yeah. Amazon, Amazon uh, will have either one of them. Like I said, uh, Larry's, if you search Larry Matasek's name, you'll see all the books that he's written. Okay. Uh, and up on his, uh, uh, when he passed away, he was uh, on his uh, last book he was working on. He had all but one chapter done. I still, I have the entire transcript of every every chapter, but the last one it didn't finish. And someday his wife and I keep saying that we're going to finish that last chapter because we know what he wanted to, to put in that. But, we just have not uh, brought ourselves to do that. Uh, and that book uh, was going to be the uh, difference between Sam Muchnick and Vince McMahon, because he, Larry Matasek, worked for Sam Muchnick for 10 years uh, after his business shut down, and uh, which was the 10 most uh, dreadful years of his life, he would say. Uh, but then all the other years with Sam was, uh, you know, a walk in the park for him. And uh, so the book was really, it was the toughest book he had to write because um, he cherished so much of Sam's uh, relationship and he despised so much of Vince's. And I told him, I said, you have made that so uh, abundantly known to fans over the years. You got to, and all the other books were, you know, straightforward, honest, uh, factual. And I said, you got to be, you got to be fair in this one. You can't take it away from what's, what Vince has done in the business uh good batter and difference uh, he's uh he's 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 made what he's made out of it and sam did what he did and you got to live both of those parts so you and he did he did he did real good about being fair about that but yeah amazon just go in there and google um uh, or search uh larry matasek uh and then uh -huh. ed wheatley for the you'll find a lot of books under ed he did a lot of baseball books in st louis the st louis browns uh -huh but he did the uh, wrestling at the chase uh, uh, book and then the head over heels documentary on wrestling. Awesome. And now where can we find SICW on Facebook, on Instagram and all those? No, it's Instagram. I don't know. I don't even know how to spell Instagram, all right. <laughs> uh, but uh, YouTube, I mean, uh, Facebook is the best way to find uh, me. SICW uh, uh, just search me, Herb Simmons. I, uh, I'm very active on that. Uh, I, I, promote something about the wrestling every day. Uh, right. Usually usually in the evening time, I'll get caught up and answer questions or post pictures. Uh, SICW Explosion, uh, email uh, promoter at SICW.org if anybody's got any questions. 
Uh, like I said, we try to keep our uh, website updated, but sometimes, you know, websites uh, fall behind when everything else is going on. We've got shows booked all the way through the end of the year, into next year already. And uh, and like I said, they're for organizations that, uh, that we help raise money for, uh, uh, whether it be the local fire departments needing something or... Um, I mean, like last night, I just booked a show in Perryville, Missouri for the Legion Hall. Um, so it's, uh, well, the word gets out there and it's been out there. And, uh, uh, you know, like you said, uh, the, we may be the longest running promotion out there. If we are, that's fine. If not, I really don't care. We're going to do what we can do until the, until the E gets, the, the gas gets down to the E. And I got to say, one of the thing I'm most impressed about is, you do stuff for other organizations to raise money for their organizations. And for that, I do applaud you for that. I think your roster SICW is amazing for doing something like that. So my hands go down to you saying, thank you so much for helping organizations throughout the, wherever you, all over you travel. So I appreciate that. And um, is the fan fest number two, is that in this next May of 2024 or do we not have a date? If, yet? if there's going to be one, it would be in May because that's our bruiser Brody month that we do. Um, okay. uh, Barbara Goodish, um, bruiser Brody's uh, widow. Uh, like I said, I always work around her schedule. Uh, like this weekend, she's down at the gathering uh, in uh, Carolina's a big uh, fan fest they have there. And, Two weeks ago, she was up in Waterloo, Iowa, with, Iowa with me, um, and so she's out. Uh, she's a part of the wrestling family, and back in the day, she didn't get to do that when uh, Bruiser Brody was out wrestling. She stayed at home with her son, and uh, but now Bruiser Brody's name is one of the ones that will never be forgotten. Not only because of the way he was murdered, but uh, he was such a, a great uh, piece of talent that uh, didn't take any guff and uh, uh, you know all the promoters wanted him even the ones that didn't really like him wanted him to come in because he meant money to him awesome. and uh, when you had him and Abdullah the Butcher you know guys like that are down in Texas when he was with the Von Erics and uh, they all they all wanted Bruiser Brody because they knew that when he put his name on the marquee fans were going to come to see him yeah well, Mr. Simmons, I thank you for your time. I thank you all the people that were in the chat for their time. He's brought wrestling fans. Please subscribe and follow the show. You can come back and rewatch the um, podcast with Herb Simmons on it. Um, I am so blessed to have the opportunity to talk to you. Um, I'm going to play the exit song, and um, I'm just going to don't go anywhere. I'll meet you in the lobby. All right. Fine. Thank you. <laughs> Extra!